Well, today the gospel, uh, gospel lectionary text uh, continues the journey with Jesus uh, and the temple leaders. If you've been with us the last few weeks, uh, Jesus has kind of, kind of been into it with, uh, with the church leaders or with the temple leaders. Um, and this is, this is our, our last stop the, the, in a mostly sequential journey. We kind of went all the way through Matthew chapter 22. And now we've broken into Matthew chapter 23. Um, and then we're going to skip forward a little bit in the, in the coming weeks uh, and jump over to Matthew 25. But today I invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 23, or if you have a device, um, you can point it there to follow along if you like. Um, we're, we're coming up, up on the end of the church calendar year. It ends uh, right before Advent, so by the end of November, last Sunday in November, we're going to be in Advent. Christmas is upon us. Advent is upon us. Uh, and we wait with eager expectation with the coming of the, of the Christ child again. Um, but today, uh, would you stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the word, if you're able? As we turn to Matthew chapter 23, I'll be reading today verses 1 through verse 12. Matthew 23, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples. The legal experts and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, you must take care to do everything they say. But don't do what they do, for they tie together heavy packs that are impossible to carry. They put them on the shoulders of others, but are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do, they do to be noticed by others. They make extra-wide prayer bands for their arms and long tassels for their clothes. They love to sit in places of honor at banquets and in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with honor in the markets and to be addressed as rabbi. But you shouldn't be called rabbi because you have one teacher. And all of you are brothers and sisters. Don't call anybody on earth your father because you have one father who is heavenly. Don't be called teacher because Christ is your one teacher. But the one who is greatest among you will be your servant. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, but all who make themselves low will be lifted up. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Have a seat. Have you ever taken the easy path? <laughs> yes, I have. Um, I remember, this is, this is a dangerous story to tell. Um, I, I have teenage boys. I have teenage boys that are beginning to drive. Uh, and this is a dangerous story to tell. Um, I, I tell this story within the presence of my own sons as offering an example of the easy path I once took and that they should never take. So I just have to qualify that. Uh, I remember one time uh, I was driving home taking some back roads because the back roads are a little curvier and more fun to drive than the non-back roads. The, but the road had just gotten wet, uh, had gotten wet after being dry for a long time. I missed a corner on this drive home, hit the ditch, poof, nose in. So I'm old. I realize that now. My kids tell me often. Um, <laughs> I had no cell phone. I didn't know what a cell phone was back then. Um, someone drove by in a big pickup. Big pickups 
I, I love big pickups. There's lots of big pickups in Mountain Home, too. Uh, somebody drove by with, I, I loved big pickups that day, especially. Uh, he had a chain. Uh, he had a, a hitch uh, and pulled me out. Pulled me out. I had this nice, tiny, light car. It was no problem pulling me out. As I drove home, I had a decision to make. I mean, the car was driving fine. <laughs> Couldn't really tell. The license plate holder went like this, this much. That's how much the showed evidence. Do I tell the parents? Do I not tell the parents? Do I tell the parents? I took the easy path that day. I didn't tell my parents. Um, students, don't do this. Drivers, don't do this. Um, I remember confessing years later. Years later, my parents were like, what? You did what? They weren't happy that day. This text reminds me of, of the easy path in certain ways. And I think, it's, I think it's super easy in this story for us to hop in behind Jesus. To, to hear what Jesus is saying, to hop in behind him and say, yeah, go get him, Jesus. I mean, let him have it. Jesus had just come into Jerusalem. We've been talking about this. This is post-triumphal entry. This is perhaps the next day. Triumphal, triumphal entry comes. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. All the expectations of Messiah laid upon Jesus. He's going to set us free. He's going to, to, to liberate us from the control of the Romans. We're sick of it. We're ready to be done. And instead of marching up to Herod's, palace. He turns a corner and heads to the temple, flips some tables, and say, this was supposed to be a house of worship. Look what you've turned it into. Comes back the next day, and, and he's in the temple, and he's kind of been on the blacklist, you know, because when you flip tables at the temple, they don't like you to come back the next day and be the center of attention. Uh, but he was. People loved hearing what he had to say. And he spoke with authority. So it's, it's, it's understandable why the temple leaders weren't too thrilled to hear what he had to say through Matthew chapter 22 and, and Matthew chapter 23. And, and right here, right at this point, as you read through Matthew 23, this is the point where, where Jesus just begins to unload on these temple folks. I encourage you to, to kind of read through the rest of, of chapter 23 if you have time this week, but Jesus doesn't pull any punches. And it's easy for us to hop in behind Jesus and say, yeah, go get him. Tell him what's up. It's easy to pick on the temple leaders, especially today. Uh, they're easy targets, not only for the Jews of the day, but also uh, for us. I mean, look what they did. Jesus describes a little bit of what they did. Tied heavy packs, heavy burdens. The Pharisees were known for being experts in the law. So not only did, did they know the most about the law, and it was their job to study the law, but then they bundled it all up and said, here, this is what you're supposed to do. Go home and live like this. Go home and do that. Don't forget to do this. Oh, and you shouldn't do that. And just added weight upon weight upon weight. I picture uh, a backpack or, or, or some, some carrying uh, 
bag that, that slung over someone's shoulder and the Pharisees just kind of walk by and drop barbell, you know, dumbbell weights in there. Here's another one. Carry this one too. Carry this one too. Don't do that, but that's a weight too. And that was, that was kind of their, their ministry. That, that was their job. That was their role. They were, in, they were just interpreting the law. And it became a full-time job for them to, to try to practice every last little thing in the law. And then, oh, by the way, this is what holy looks like. So you should be doing it too. Follow my example. Follow my lead. They wore extra wide prayer bands, it says in verse 5. Um, this is a little, a little practice that um, some Jews even today practice. Um, things called phylacteries. Um, I, I, I'm not familiar. I haven't ever worn one of these. I haven't seen one of these. Perhaps some of you have. But they're little leather boxes that, that the Jews will wear while they pray. Some, some um, are donned on the foreheads uh, of Jews as they pray. Others are wrapped around, they have straps that wrap around their forearms and they wear these boxes on their wrists. And in these boxes are contained Jewish Scriptures, meaningful texts from the Torah that, that speak of how they're to live and how they're to relate and how they're to interact with one another. Um, but the offense that Jesus mentions is not that they are orthodox and not that they practice uh, this act. But what does he say about them? Extra wide. I'd like the extra wide version, please, of phylacteries. If you could make it in hot pink, that would be cool because it would show up really well as I strut through town. Just let everybody know, I'm, I got it put together. I know what I'm doing. I'm faithful. They're meant to get noticed. The next thing Jesus mentions is the tassels, the fringes. Um, if you look to Numbers 15, you know, because you often do your devotional reading out of the book of Numbers, um, meant to serve as, as the Lord's reminders of the Lord's commands, meant to encourage obedience, remind people that they're meant to follow God. I don't often wear fringes on my clothes that I wear, but... That was the practice of the temple leaders. The violation is not that they wore the tassels or had the fringes on their garments, but they were oversized, extra long. So they flap in the wind, meant to grab people's attention. It was for show. So, so here's the easy road. How dare they? How dare the Pharisees treat the people this way? How, how, how do they get off doing that? Treating the common person that way. The common person had to provide for their family. The common person had to go out and have a meaningful trade and support the people they lived with. And it was the Pharisees who could get all nitpicky and spent their whole time devoting themselves to the law. Get them, Jesus. You tell them how it is. I fit really well into that easy road crowd of people. Because the leaders were just a little abusive, a little unjust. It was not fair. It was not the message of hope and grace that the gospel is meant to communicate. 
And it's not how we want to be. So I, I fit easy in behind Jesus saying, go get them. But the trouble here is, is, is not that Matthew is saying Jesus said the wrong thing. You see, see Matthew, Matthew would, would agree with Jesus. The writer of this gospel had, had not left hypocrisy alone. As you look through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, actually Matthew has has a lot to say about hypocrisy, and it starts early. It starts early on in the text, chapter three. Some temple folks show up where John is baptizing. This is even before Jesus started his ministry. Matthew chapter three. The temple folks show up, and and John calls them out. You brood of snakes. That's not what you should say when the church leaders show up. I hope when the church staff shows up, you're not like, you brood of snakes. Um, It's not what we want. But he calls them out. What is his charge to them? Even in chapter 3, produce fruit. That's what John says to the temple leaders. Produce fruit. Do something in your ministry that's fruitful. Show that your lives have changed. Don't go through the motions. Don't just do the spiritual things. That's empty. A couple chapters later, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in chapter 6 says, don't do your spiritual acts in front of others. Don't pray on the street corners. Loud voices, long words that people don't understand anyway. What are you thinking don't live that way. Um, you know, in, in the Bibles that we read today, they have those little um, section headers. If you look in chapter 6 in the Common English Bible, the, the section headers read this, showy religion, showy prayer, showy fasting. And Jesus just undoes them, undoes them all. Undoes them all. The spiritual life is not a show. The spiritual life is not a show. It's not about showing up on Sunday, being seen. It's not about putting on a filter when those friends show up. Jesus' call for our lives is that it, it enters down into us and changes our lives and that our lives would bear fruit. It's easy to pick on the Pharisees. I, I hadn't realized this. I, I always felt like the Gospels were particularly hard on the, on the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees get a bad rap in the Gospels. And so in this text, it's easy to jump in behind Jesus and say, yeah, yeah go get him. There was one, one commentator that I was reading this week um, by the name of, of Patrick Gray. And he talked about four sects or four major streams of Jewish thought that were present in Jesus' day. Um, there were the Pharisees, and they majored in the law, and knowing the law, and interpreting the law, teaching the law. There were the Sadducees. The Sadducees were, were in charge mostly of temple life, and the rituals of temple, uh, and, and the worship that happened there. The third group was called the Essenes. <laughs> they, were, they were the desert purists. Okay, looked back in, into mainstream Israelite, Israel and said, oh man, you guys are missing it. We've got to get back to, back to our roots. And they lived simply out in the desert, uh, the Qumran uh, desert. And then there were the zealots. The zealots were the fourth sect of, 
of Judaism, and their priority was getting free of getting free of Roman control. As their name implies, they were zealous about throwing off Roman control. Well, in the revolt of of about AD 70, when the temple was destroyed, only one of those sects really remained. And that was the Pharisees. The, the, the practice and the, and the ritual had, of the other three, had, they had, the revolt, when it failed and the temple was destroyed, the legs were kind of cut out from underneath the other three groups of Jewish practice. And so the Pharisees remained. And so Matthew, as he's writing his gospel in about that time, a little after that revolt, really had one group to deal with. And it was the Pharisees. And it makes sense that that becomes the focal point of, of Matthew's uh, critique as he takes a look at, at Jewish practice. As we look to this story, and it's, it's easy, at least for me, to climb in behind Jesus and, and say, go get him. And to see how plainly Jesus kind of dismantles their hypocritical posture, their broken view. This, this idea that I'm going to wear wide bands, I'm going to wear long tassels so people see my devotion. What's really interesting to me is that Jesus seems to indicate in the first few verses that their message is sound. Did you hear that? That their message is sound, that their message is reliable. What did he say? The legal experts and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, you must take care to do everything they say. It's easy for me to miss that, church. It's easy for me to to skip over that because I kind of get into the part where he's like, yeah, don't put that burden on me. Don't make me carry that heavy pack. But Jesus backs up their teaching and says this message of the law really does guide us, really does instruct us. I don't know about you, but but I kind of want to say, no, Jesus, this isn't how you do this. You you messed up on that first part. Let's go back to the second part where where you're kind of critical of them. you say, say they're bad, you kind of ridicule them, throw them under the bus, drop the mic, walk away. I mean, that's how you're supposed to do it, Jesus. Come on, you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth here. That's the easy road. And as you might have suspected, I think that for us, there's a different road to walk. As we journey with this passage, I was... I was challenged this week to step out from behind Jesus and to stand in front of him. And as Jesus announces the dangers of hypocrisy, I've been confronted this week. How does my life hold up? (laughs) If I pause my how bad are the Pharisees are chant for long enough, can I endure a moment of in, introspection? A moment of asking the question, where do I stand? Have I been a loving father? 
this week? Have I been an honest friend? Have I shown love and affection for my spouse? Have I cared well for those around me, for those closest to me? These are the questions the gospel demands. You see, I I don't wear boxes on my forehead. I don't have straps around my arms. Most of my clothes don't have tassels sewn into the seams. Most. But I'm an expert at trying to look good these days. Trying to look like life's all put together. Appear the right way, say the right thing, look the part. I would dare say today that the world doesn't need more hypocrite finders. People dedicated to the task of finding the hypocrites in the world. We don't need more of those people. The world needs more people willing to look deep inside their own lives and ask themselves tough questions. Questions of authentic faith. Questions that say, where's the fruit? Look at my life and make sure that my life is producing fruit. That I'm tender to the movement of God. That I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. The law of God and the instructions of Christ make a meaningful difference in my life. I think that's what the world needs church and I think that's our call Jesus finishes up but saying you know don't don't let the people call you rabbi call you teacher for we have but one teacher he says the same thing about calling anyone on earth father what's the point here it's all about the puffing up of oneself Here we see Jesus' view on leadership, what it means to be a leader. He says this, the one who is greatest among you will be your servant. Not the loudest, not the most popular, not the one with all the great ideas. Greatest among you will be your servant. (laughs) Are we lifting ourselves up? Jesus has some strong words for us. The last two verses we read, but the one who is greatest among you will be your servant. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, but all who make themselves low will be lifted up. That's significant for us, church. I'm going to ask the praise team to come come up. Um, We have a couple of songs today as we end our service. Um, I don't think a message like this is, is right. I don't think it's proper for me to preach a message like this without the invitation to pause and reflect. And so as we sing these closing songs, uh, I invite you into a posture of self-reflection. <laughs> Sometimes songs are distracting for me. Sometimes I need to not sing in order to pause and just stand in front of Jesus and say, what are you speaking to me about today. Maybe a posture of self-reflection for you means coming and praying at our altars today. Like that the Holy Spirit would guide you to that place or, 
or maybe a posture of kneeling even at your own chair. I invite you, whatever it takes for you today to to step out from behind Jesus, stop saying, yeah, go get him, Jesus. When are these people going to change? Whatever it takes for you to have a moment of self-reflection and ask the question, what would Christ say to me? Do that today. I give you permission. Do that today. Stand in front of him today and ask, how does my life reflect this gospel that Christ talks about? Would you say a prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we, we offer our lives to you. We're so grateful that you invite us into relationship with you. And that those that would, that would fill our packs with heavy weights and heavy burdens um, that you speak against that kind of teaching and that kind of instruction, God. And yet in, in the same breath, in the same passage, you invite us to deep and honest self-reflection that invites us into a place of authentically journeying with you and letting you transform our lives that our lives might bear fruit. I pray that for my life. I pray that first for, for my own journey that people would see fruit in me. But I pray that for our church. Pray that for the church of Mountain Home as we exist here in this community and in this town. I pray that also for the church of Jesus Christ around the world. That people would see the fruit of the gospel in our lives. May it be so, I pray. May we honor you and represent you well in the world that desperately needs you. Be with us today. Make us a part of that community of faith. Community of faith that bears your name well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's been so good to be in church with you. Um, Would you stand today uh, and extend your hands uh, and receive this morning's benediction? To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power, which is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.